You know, if works show the evidence of faith and a workless faith is a worthless faith, that kind of can be a little jarring to a people that have been taught as often and as faithfully as you've been taught here at the Moody Church, that it's by grace you are saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's the free gift of God, lest anyone should boast. So what's going on here? What's the situation with James describing, particularly in the second part of the passage. We looked last week at the sin of partiality. You can always find our past messages at moodychurch.org. But here we are, that faith without works is dead. And what does it mean to have faith and works and, or have faith without works or works without faith and, and more? To understand these things, we have to actually go just a little bit deeper for just a moment. And we have to begin with understanding how salvation itself works. In the Latin, the phrase is ordo salutis. Okay, so let me explain what that means. It has to do with the order of salvation. Do my works come before my new life in Christ, or where, well, where does it all fit into here as well? So that's what I want to look through for just a second. Again, the ordo salutis, and I'm going to give you four parts. You can actually go much more in depth than this, but we really need four key parts to understand what's going on here in the book of James. First is regeneration. Okay, so regeneration is found in Titus chapter 2, beginning at verse, excuse me, Titus chapter 3, beginning at verse 5. It says, he saved us not because of the works done by us in righteousness. I don't want you to miss that, right? So regeneration, I'm regenerated, I'm received new life, right? This is what, that, that new life I receive, I'm born again and born anew by grace and through faith, I'm regenerated, right? So that's my new life in Christ. And it's not I saved me, it's he saved us, not because of the works done by us in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. So as a follower of Jesus, I'm not a follower of Jesus because of what I did. I'm a follower of Jesus because of what Jesus has done on the cross for my sin and in my place. And by the work of God, by the quickening of the Holy Spirit, I'm regenerated. So following regeneration comes justification, right? So justification points to the fact that now, right, I have been since therefore we have now been justified by, go, to, go ahead and go to, next one is justification. Uh, we go to justification and it says, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. So right, I have been regenerated, given new life. Justification follows that. Now it's just as if I'd never sinned. Now still, right, nothing here I have done. I have been saved by him because of his shed blood. Then in Ordo Salutis comes sanctification. Let's take a look at sanctification. It says, therefore, if, back to sanctification, it says, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, excuse me, anyone tells himself what is dishonorable, he'll be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Now, I want to tell you about sanctification because this is what we're focusing in on today. James is pointing us towards the kind of spiritual growth 
That's after our regeneration, after our justification. For followers of Jesus, this is what the Christian life should look like. So anyway, here you see, if anyone cleanses himself from what's dishonorable, he'll be a vessel for honorable use, right? So that's sanctification. And just so you know how the final conclusion comes, we do get to glorification, to glorification. And it says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that's to be revealed in us. But understanding the order of salvation, understanding that there is a, a, uh, a, a way to understand our spiritual journey, right? That we're regenerated, we're justified. Then this process of sanctification, which is still God working in us, but now us responding and the works flow from that, that's part of our sanctification and ultimately leads to our glorification. So when James says things like our college students just read, what good is it if someone says he has faith but does not have works, can that faith save him? Okay, so, well, does faith save us? Are we saved by grace and through faith? Is it by grace alone and through faith alone? Well, what we're seeing here is that works are the evidence of faith, and a workless faith is a worthless faith. In James 2, verses 1 through 13, we actually saw that uh, real faith doesn't produce favoritism, and we dealt with some of the economic disparity. We also addressed last week issues of, of racism and favoritism and preference, right? There's a, there's a contrast here, though, right? And that's why we got to read the whole passage of James chapter 2 with our students. There's a contrast here, right? We saw that real faith doesn't produce favoritism. In this section, we see that real faith does produce good works. It doesn't produce favoritism. It does produce good works. There's a contrast between avoiding favoritism and embracing good works. Now, once we get a picture of this, right, we begin to see how this actually play, plays out in our lives, right? Now, because I want you not to miss this. There are people right now watching this. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you are. But there are people right now watching this who may be saying, I have faith, but their lives show no evidence that would cause you to come to the conclusion that they are followers of Jesus. And remember, a workless, workless faith is a worthless faith. Faith. As a matter of fact, it says so in James chapter 2, verse 17. In James 2, 17, it says, so also faith by itself if it does not have works, is dead. Faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So we're looking at a faith that has works. Look at me at James chapter 2, just a little bit later in the passage, looking at verses 20, uh, 14 through 16. It says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but he does not have works? Can that faith save him. You said, Ed, I thought salvation was by grace through faith, regardless of works. Yeah, stay with me. Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and be filled without giving them the things they need for the body, what good is that? So this faith that we're talking about leads to the kind of works that James is pointing to in this passage. Now, again, a couple of important things, right? One famous theologian put it this way, if, if, if it is faith alone that justifies, it is faith alone that justifies, but faith that justifies can never be alone. See, the word alone in James 2.17, faith here, speaking about alone, means by itself. 
this faith by itself without works is a dead faith. It's not a real faith. There's something missing in it. Now, we know from the Bible that we're actually created to do good works. But there's the assumption that James is reminding us of that our faith, having transformed us, we've been regenerated, we've been justified, that now in our growth and our sanctification, works will flow from us because we were created for those works. Yesterday, I was doing a project for Donna. Donna wanted me to, to uh, take our door, one of our door in a house, house that always gets left open, and she said, um, I'd like you to set it up so that it closes automatically. I'm like, honey, we are not like, what are these fancy things? We don't have door closers. Well, it turns out there's these products that you can buy that I ordered and it attaches to your hinge and takes about three and a half hours to actually do contrary to the 15 minutes that they claim. And so I spent the day working with some tools so that now that door closes, right? Our dog now can't get in the door automatically closes. So I needed affirmation for my work. But, um, but in that course of that work, I used some tools. Tools may help us to understand this illustration of faith and works. Let me take a look and see what I might show you today. This is a drill. Uh, this is a drill from our fine staff, our team here at the Moody Church. It's a nice drill. It's got settings. It's got a, got a chuck. It's got ability to drill bit here. It's got a DeWalt drill bit. My personal favorite type of tool is DeWalt. But watch this. When I press it, nothing happens. Now, this is created for a specific work. Now, I would not be being honest with you if I didn't say that I've used this in ways that were not intended by the designer, right? You may not have noticed this, but if you use the back of a drill as a hammer, you can actually do that. You can actually fix things with your drill. But the reality is the drill is in and of itself dead without something that brings it that life, right? So that's where we come in and we get these ideas of batteries. Now this is really key because this is intended for good works. This can do some things. But at the end of the day, until it receives what it needs to, to have the life that it's supposed to have, that's supposed to do, that the works that are supposed to come from it, well, the same is true with us as followers of Jesus. Right? You can do good works. You can do good works in ways that maybe be nice to people and be kind to people. But until you've been indwelt by the Holy Spirit, until the power of God has regenerated you and you've been justified, that you can't actually do the kinds of works to which James refers. So James is reminding us that in a sense, now again, it's not a perfect picture, but the battery is God's work in you, making it possible for you to do the very good works that James talks about here. So living faith is empowered by God and lived out in your life. True faith is always, don't want you to miss this, James is reminding us, true faith is always accompanied by works. True faith is always accompanied by works. James actually starts with the obligation in this very chapter to not give favoritism or favorable treatment to the rich, but to care for the poor. This is the opening illustration. And, and don't miss this. It's, it's, not, it's just an expression of our faith lived out. Now, there's another author in the New Testament. His name's Paul. James is the author of this letter, and then Paul's the author. And some people want to put them at contrast to one another. That where it says, by grace, you've been saved through faith, Paul writes, this not of yourselves, it's the free gift of God, lest anyone should boast. But I don't want you to miss this because it's not. This is the consistent message of the Bible, that works 
are the evidence of faith and a workless faith is a worthless faith. Let's take a look at Galatians 6.10. Galatians 6.10 says, so then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. There's good deeds that flow from us as people of faith. In Matthew 25, 40, Jesus is speaking and says, the king will answer them. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to the least of my brothers, you did it to me. So as we care for fellow sisters and brothers who are following Christ, we're actually doing good works in line with the teaching and the empowerment of scripture or 1 John 3, 17 and 18 says, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? It doesn't. See, we don't have the presence of the Holy Spirit if good deeds do not flow forth. That's the evidence of them. Little children, let us not love in word but, or in talk, but in deed and in truth. So when we walk through this passage, we're going to walk through four things. And by the way, super helpful here is someone whose name many of you will recognize. His name is Warren Wearsby. As a matter of fact, I shaped part of my outline from his walking through of this passage. Super helpful here. But four kinds of faith I want us to see here today and to understand, hopefully by the time we're done, how our growing in Christ, our sanctification, our becoming more holy like Jesus is actually partly involved with works coming forth from our new life in Christ. So the first thing we actually see is a demonstrated faith. We see a demonstrated faith, right? And this is James chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. Remember, works are the evidence of faith, and a workless faith is a worthless faith. So in verse 17, it says, So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. It's dead. But someone will say, well, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works. And I will show you my faith by my works, which is a description, if you will, of the Christian life. People see that we are followers of Jesus by how we act and live, um, by how we speak of others, by how we care for the hurting and more. So it's not just an intellectual response. Some will say, well, I, you have faith and I have works. No, 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 no. It's not, it's not one or the other. It's one leads to the other. And without the other, they actually well, our worthless faith without works, it says. And we see this throughout kind of the scriptures, right? We see words like this, phrases like this, Titus 1.16, that says they profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. So a follower of Jesus will want to profess to know God. That's good, right? But will actually not deny him, but will demonstrate by their works. Instead, they are detestable, disobedient, unfit for every good work. So again, what we're talking about here is works are the evidence of faith and a workless faith is a worthless faith. James uses strong words and you might say right now, how dare you, Ed Stetzer, say that I might not be a Christian if my life is not accompanying by works. I, actually, I'm not saying that. James is and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in the scriptures. We'll say it now, you are, not to miss this, right? You, me, whoever, we're not really Christian and don't have real faith if we're doing nothing with it. Now, mind you, you could do all kinds of things without it and it won't save you, but with it flows from works or else James is cautioning us that that's, you lack a demonstrated faith. Real faith is more than intellectually agreeing that it's true that Jesus rose from the dead or that God truly is who he says he is. Faith without works is dead. So the opposite of that, James is speaking of a demonstrated faith. Let me show you my faith by my works. 
Not that those works saved James or anybody for that matter, but ultimately they flow from that salvation, right? Remember, regeneration, justification, and then sanctification. But if there's no sanctification, if there's no works flowing out of our new life, regeneration, if there's no works flowing out of our justification, just in gratitude to what God has done, James is actually questioning whether or not we're truly of the faith. So number one is demonstrated faith, but James gives a rather fascinating example. It's actually demonic faith. Now that's a strange phrase, I know, but this, he actually refers to the faith of demons, right? Here's what he says. This is James chapter two, verse 19 and 20. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe. Okay, so, so here's the deal. Um, you don't actually get bonus points for believing that God is one. Now, there's really, that's not a casual phrase. I'm gonna explain why in just a minute, but that's super important. You believe that God is one, you do well. But even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown? Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless. Now this phrase, um, you may have read this before if you read through the New Testament, maybe you're familiar, you believe that God is one. But this phrase is a super important phrase particularly to the kinds of Christians that actually, um, that, that actually James would be writing to, predominantly uh, Jewish followers of Jesus, who recognize this phrase that God is one. It actually comes from Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four. Matter of fact, it's the most important profession of faith in all the Old Testament. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So James is saying that central profession of faith that you believed for centuries, that's the central marking of the faith of our fathers and mothers, that that's actually not enough, that faith without works is dead. Again, works are the evidence of faith and a workless faith is a worthless faith. Right, so real faith is more than just kind of an intellectual assent that somehow in my brain, I believe these things to be true. Uh, James gives one of the most stunning illustrations of dead faith that somebody could imagine. What he's saying here is even the faith of a demon is actually greater than the fraudulent faith of someone who has faith without works or dead faith. So we've looked at demonstrated faith the way it's supposed to be, right? So where we've got regeneration, justification, sanctification, from sanctification comes works that flow out of our new life in Christ. Not works that give us new life in Christ, but works that flow out of our new life in Christ. That's demonstrated faith. Number two, we have demonic faith. That's the stunning contrast. Even the devil believes that. And then thirdly, we get to what Paul, excuse me, what James designs and desires for us is dynamic faith, is dynamic faith. Let's take a look at it, right? We've got demonstrated faith, demonic faith, dynamic faith. Let's look at number three, dynamic faith. This, he gives the example now of, from James 21, 2, 21 through 25 of Abraham. Abraham's a real great example, right? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Okay, so he's giving us a pretty powerful example, right? This Old Testament picture, we don't have time to fully unpack, but it says, you see that faith was active along with his works. Abraham was doing something that flowed from his faith, acted with his works, and faith was completed by his works, and the scripture was fulfilled that says, notice what it says, Abraham believed God, faith, right? And it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. We actually sing a song like that. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. 
Now that phrase is so important, but, but, but don't miss what's going on here, right? Just before that, it says Abraham believed God and then he acted out of that belief in his works. And then in a crazy contrast, I mean, you got Abraham, the, 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 the father of the nation, Abraham, the great man of faith. And then the contrasting example is a prostitute named Rahab. It says, in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? Just a brief mention that we get of her here. So what's going on here? Well, let's look at the example of the prophet Abraham. We'll go quickly through this. Genesis 5, 15, 6 says this. It says, Abram, right? This is Abraham's name before he was renamed. Abram believed the Lord and it was counted to him as righteousness. So Abram, Abraham had believed in faith, on faith of a Messiah to come, but he believed in faith. In Genesis twenty-two twelve, it says, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. So what the Lord looked to in Abraham's response to his call to sacrifice his son was actually his belief, his fear, his trust in God, seeing you have not withhold your son, your only son from me. And then we look at Romans chapter four, verses one through five, it says this, what shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? In other words, our great, 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 great grandfather. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? So the scripture itself here, Paul writing to the Romans, is reminding us Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now for the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies, remember, regeneration, justification, sanctification, believes in the one who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So we get a picture here of Abram and Abraham, but let's not stop there. The other stunning contrast is Rahab. Now, Rahab's a prostitute, right? And here's what it says about Rahab. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them by another way? Okay, so what's going on here? What's going on here is, is that there is belief in a Messiah to come in the Old Testament. And that belief has kind of flowed out into actual works. Abraham trusted God and then did what God said. Rahab had to trust God and then to do what he said. And so it is with us. We trust, we have received by grace and through faith, the good news of the gospel. And if we truly have been regenerated and been justified, now we're being sanctified. Works genuinely flow from a transformed Christian. So we get this picture. We're walking through these examples, right? So we're talking about demonstrated faith. He says, this is what it's supposed to look like. This is what a demonstration will look like. Demonic faith, even the devil believes. So that's not enough. It's not enough to have this intellectual assent that something's true. Dynamic faith, faith that is birthed from a, a passion, a dynamism, a new life that leads to actual works. The examples of Abraham and the example of Rahab. And in both cases, right, really powerful stories as well. But Rahab, perhaps the most shocking of all, because she didn't do anything that was special. She was not like Abraham. She, she 
It was mentioned, though, throughout the pages of Scripture. Why? Because she trusted God and acted upon the trust that she had in the Lord. So James really brings us back to this caution, right? And this is number four on our outline, and that's the issue of dead faith. A demonstrated faith, a demonic faith, a dynamic faith, and a dead faith. Remember, works are the evidence of faith, and a workless faith is a worthless faith. Strong words, but certainly reflected from James. Here's what he says in James 2.26. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, for as the drill without the battery is dead. We might write in a paraphrase today. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Now without works, apart from works is a conditional clause. They're not contrasting here. They're connecting here, right? Also faith apart from works is dead. Dead means lifeless. Now the alternative here is quite beautiful. In Ephesians 2.10, it says this. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, you've heard me quote a passage that I haven't put on the screen at all. It's Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. This not of yourselves, it's the free gift of God, lest any person should boast. But then, this is actually the verse that follows it. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. So Paul ties together, following what we've talked about here, that that we, regeneration, justification, sanctification. In verses eight and nine, Paul's dealing with the ideas of regeneration and justification. Here, he's dealing with sanctification. That's what James is too. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. In 2 Corinthians 13, five, strong admonition, it says this, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Well, how can I examine myself to see I'm in the faith? Well, I believe, am I in the faith? Well, I can't just, that's not an examination. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Christ Jesus is in you, unless indeed you fail the test. You say, how do you know if Christ Jesus is in you? You're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Is your life being changed? And if your answer is, Ed, I have this intellectual agreement that I do believe that God is God and Jesus is, is who ultimately he said he was, but there's no life change in you. I want to encourage you to do what Paul writes here. I want to encourage you to examine yourself and say, if there's not something that's flowing out of the new life, have I genuinely been born again? Have I genuinely been changed by the power of the Holy Spirit? It says this in Titus 3, 8, the saying is trustworthy. And I want to, I want, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Look, look at the, the, the progression here. It says, we're writing to Christians. Titus is writing to Christians here. Okay. Uh, it says, I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God, right, same person who would say, for by grace you are saved through faith, that those who believed in God, that's that faith, that real genuine faith, may be careful to devote themselves to good works. Sisters and brothers, what I want you to see is that works are the evidence of faith. It's not the creation of faith. It's not the substitute for faith. It's not the contrast to faith. Works are the evidence of faith, but a workless faith is a worthless faith. And that's the thing I don't want you to miss. Let me remind you that so far, as you look through the book of James, James has actually addressed things like your faith 
He's addressed things like our, our mouth. He's going to do that more about what we say. He's addressed how we treat the poor. He's addressed favoritism. So throughout here, James is actually addressing works and activities that Christians should have. So if you're thinking, well, you know, man, I just, my mouth just does, my mouth says whatever, and I can't stop it, and I, and I don't tend to care for other people, and the poor, whatever, that's not a priority. Can I just say to you that this is an opportunity today for you to test yourself We've covered a lot of passages, right? And the great thing about now being online, not that there's a lot of great things about it, but one of them is you can watch this message again and go through these passages again. But I want to just remind you and draw you to a simple, powerful truth, right? Works are the evidence of faith. And if you're a genuine follower of Jesus, following what we talked about at the very beginning, you've been regenerated, you've been justified, now you're being sanctified, and part of that is the works that are evident in your life. But if that's not the case, I want to remind you that a workless faith is a worthless faith. And I want to invite you, if you're not a follower of Jesus, to receive him by grace and through faith. You say, Ed, I've been a religious person, but I see that there's, God has just not been at work in my life. I want to invite you today. Here's the good news. James is writing to you and to me. And I want to invite you today to receive him genuinely and truly to receive the new life he has given you to, by grace and through faith, invite him into your heart. Because when he comes into your heart, he'll change you. Not that you start better or start worse than anybody else. We all now have, who are followers of Jesus, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Who is changing us? Who is shaping us? And the works that flow from our faith are becoming more and more evident as we yield ourselves to Jesus. That's what James wants. James doesn't want you or me. And 2,000 years later, we read the words and they're strong and they can be stinging. James doesn't want you or me to just think that intellectual assent is enough. Oh, you believe God's one? I mean, James casually mentions that, but it's the fundamental statement of faith of all of the people who would have read this book at first, the Jewish followers of Jesus. He said, that's not enough. Even the demons believe that. I want to invite you today not just to have a faith of an intellectual ascent that, yep, there's a God. Yes, he sent his son who rose from the dead in the third day. But I want you to be regenerated, received by grace and through faith. He'll give you the new life you receive by grace and through faith, and you begin to grow in that new faith. Would you pray with me? Father, we come before you today recognizing that you and you alone can give us new life. It's not something we work towards. It's not something we muster up. It's not something we work hard to get, but we receive the new life you've given us. We are regenerated. We receive the justification you've given us, and it's just as if I'd never sinned. And now you're sanctifying us as followers of Jesus. And Father, I pray our lives would show the evidence that James is calling for, the evidence of gospel works. Father, I pray for those who might not yet be followers of Jesus, that even in the quietness of this moment, you might speak to their hearts. And if that's you, let me just say that you can today receive him by grace and through faith. And you can just pray with me and uh, the simplest of prayers, if it's the prayer of your heart, and you just receive. You say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Lord Jesus, I receive the new life you have given me. I trust you as my Savior and my Lord. I give you my life and I receive the life you sacrificed for me. I trust and follow you, Jesus. And if you just prayed that prayer, I want to encourage you not to 
leave this moment without going over and sharing that with us. You can go to our mini church webpage and sir, we have a contact card. You can share information there because that new life is something we're going to walk through and yes, grow in works with together. Father, I thank you that it's by grace we're saved through faith, but I thank you you've created us for good works, which you prepared beforehand for us to do. So Lord, as we come before you, we pray your church would arise, put its armor on. We call out to you, our captain, and we trust and follow you, Jesus. In Jesus' name and for his sake, we pray. Amen and amen.